Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe, good afternoon to you, sir. How are you, Jonathan? I'm very well. I have followed with great interest your tweets this week from inside the Whitey Bulger trial. Honest to God, it's a book in itself, but um, if we're just getting that in 140 characters, I can only imagine what it's like to experience that evidence at first hand. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I was kind of late to the tweeting game up until recent, probably the last year or so that I take it seriously. And I'm using it as my notes. I'm writing these tweets and people are, are responding to it. And, and we have a lot, a lot of people following it on the Boston Globe website. And then when I go to write my column every day, those are my notes. I haven't written anything down in the two and a half weeks that Whitey Bulger's trial has been going on. So it shows how technology has changed in the way we do our jobs. Uh, what is the trial like to be? I mean, it, it reads as a remarkable story, but you know, you, you'd almost forget that there are real human beings. And when you're talking about people well, getting whacked, that people actually got sure. whacked. Well, the other, I mean, in terms of keeping it real, uh, between in the rest, recesses, either the morning recess, which is at eleven. And then after, uh, there's only one long day with his lunch. I'm generally with the victims. I mean, I use I usually hang out with the Donahue family because I'm very close to them. I've, have known them for many years. And Tommy Donahue, whose father was murdered when he was eight years old, um, he was really down yesterday. And I was trying to buck him up. His nickname's Bagger, and I just said Bagger, hang in there. So yeah, you're right. There are real families there, and we see them. Um, and that's always informed. You know, the way I've covered the Bulger thing, I, I just know what he is. And my opinion of him is informed as much by knowing the, his victims as it is by knowing the police officers that chased him and finally brought him to justice. OK, at Globe Cullen is your Twitter handle if anybody wants to follow you later in the day for what's happening in that trial. Another American court case that people talked about a lot this week was the Supreme Court. Um, and it struck down the Defense of Marriage Act. Um, tell us what that was, first of all, and what the implications are. Well, that was actually was a compromise put, put in in 1995. I don't think a lot of people know this. It was actually passed and pushed by Bill Clinton. Um, and at the at the time, it was it was it was appeasing the right wing and the evangelicals and the religiously bent here in this country. And basically, what it said is that the um, the marriage can only be defined. It said as a as a union between a man and a woman, and that and but more importantly, it meant that federal benefits, whether it's Social Security, if, if, if you marry somebody in the military and they get sick, all those things, if you were a same-sex couple, you couldn't get it. It was blatant discrimination, blatant. But now that is what was struck down the other day. And, of course, all the evangelicals went out and talked about this is the end of the world. And then that, I love this canard. They always throw out, oh, does that mean I can marry my dog? That's so disgraceful and so disgusting. And especially these are people who wrap themselves up in religion, and they're just bigots. The other thing that that decision made, I mean, it, people don't want to talk about it, but what the, the Supreme Court really did say is basically all you rednecks who live in those redneck states where you think that the head of government is God, you can outlaw gay marriage all you want. You guys can be bigots if you want to be. That's what our Constitution provides for. So basically the, the federal court, the Supreme Court said this is a state issue. The, de- the decision on whether you will grant same-sex marriage is up to the state. And right now, Jonathan, we're up to 12, and eventually the troglodytes will fall away because they die every day, and they are replaced by young people like my kids who cannot fathom why anybody would care 
whether a man and a woman would fall in love and marry each other. There was a one woman, I think, was that there was a woman in her 80s who took a stand on this, and that's the reason why it got yeah. as far as the Supreme Court. Tell exactly. us about her. Exactly. She's a hot ticket. I, I mean, I don't even know her name, but I know exactly who you're referring to. And she challenged it on the rights issue. That it was a, she was denied her, her civil rights because it was framed as a civil rights issue. And that's really, it probably is the biggest civil rights pro, uh, progression since the Civil Rights Act of the 1960s. Now, what's interesting is that the that same Supreme Court, the day before, had actually repealed part of the Voting Rights Act from the 1960s that that, that spoke specifically about the denial of the right to vote to black folks. And basically, what the court was saying: you don't need this arithmetic anymore because you know there's no serious, there's, there's seriously not many places in the country where black people are being disenfranchised. I, I personally have a, a problem with that. I don't think that's true. I don't think the Supreme Court justices have been in, in, in rural Georgia or even in Miami. I saw in Miami people being de- dis- dis- disenfranchised. But that's, mm. another, that's another argument for another day. Okay, well, the Supreme Court, a lot to consider. Tell us about Paula Dean. She's not very well known over here, but she's, she's probably one of the biggest celebrity chefs that you have in the States. What's she done? Yeah, I guess she's the, she's the Dorena Allen of the South. And... Um, no, no offense to Serena Allen on that. She's just, she's extremely well-known. She's probably the biggest celebrity chef. She's as popular here as Jamie Oliver in the UK or something like that. And um, she is, she actually was like a mini corporation, but th- there was a lawsuit filed against her by one of her, her former employees who alleged all sorts of wrongdoing. And just the, the portrait of, of Paula Dean comes away. Her, her public image is this, you know, down home, how y'all doing thing like that. And then the image of her comes around basically is a, a sexist, aggressive, bigoted, um, you know, a woman full, filled with incredible prejudice who uses the N-word in conversation commonly. And frankly, she had to admit that after it came out, and she was fired on the spot by Food Network. She lost all her endorsement deals. She lost just by this lawsuit, I'm probably... Three or four hundred million dollars in a fell swoop. She has lost it all. She has tearfully apologized because that's what we do in America, Jonathan. When we do something wrong, we just go on TV and say, "Please forgive me." <laughs> and um, but it, what the, I think the most damning thing that came out of her is that she uh, wanted to have a staff party, and she decided what they would have is a Civil War theme, and they would have all black waiters, and the waiters would dress up as slaves. She this, thought hang, that, that was her this, idea this of, is a, a party. Of a, a party, yeah. Okay, so, you, can, you can understand. Do I, why, I don't think uh, I have to say any more. No, no, you can understand why the Food Network would have a problem. It, look, is is she toast? Did anyone believe her tearful apology on TV afterwards, or is she just I, I think there are, She has um, she has a legion of fans who would forgive her these things, and in the South, there are people who would look at you and say, "What's wrong with saying the N word?" So. Yeah, she has her supporters. Just like I said, they're probably there's a. I'm sure there's a confluence of a lot of people who are appalled that gay people can now get married. The same crowd. Yeah, I'll take our celebrity chefs over here. They certainly uh, are. They wouldn't be accused of that particular um, allegation at any yeah, can stage. Can you imagine like a, having a theme party and you, you'd, you'd be served by people from the famine era? No, it's not going to happen. That's the sort of the equivalent of, that's how off the wall that is. It's so crazy. Okay, Kevin, look, we'll leave you go back in. The trial's on today, is it? It is. uh, John Morris, the sniveling, corrupt former FBI supervisor who outed Whitey, is back on the stage. Whitey swore at him yesterday, so we'll see if he keeps his mouth shut today. We'll keep an eye on that Twitter feed throughout the afternoon. Kevin Cullen of the Boston Globe. We'll talk to you next week, Kevin.
Thanks, Jonathan.